What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 66 of the DFS Dose podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, joined once again by Joey Carrion. Of course, we miss our boy, Jared Marcus, who will be back with us again soon. But until then, we've got a two-man show for you. We will be going game by game through all four of the divisional playoff matchups, whether you're building one lineup, 150 lineups, or maybe you've got that special someone in your life that you're building 300 with. You know, we've got you covered for whatever you're trying to do in this exciting week of NFL DFS. But before we get into the real meat of this show, pause. Joey, would you mind telling the people how they can support this fantastic podcast? You can support the podcast by following us on Twitter at the DFS Dose. That's where all of our content gets posted to, and that's where we tweet out the podcast once they officially go live. So go ahead and follow us on there. And then, of course, we're on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcast. That's where we are. So go ahead and listen like subscribe and share the podcast you know to your friends or on social media wherever just you know do something leave a leave a rating on itunes i'm not sure if the other services have a rating system but i know itunes does so you know leave a rating on there and it's the best way to support us absolutely let's get right into this slate we've got some interesting games with some pretty wide spreads starting with the Vikings traveling to the 49ers, uh, 49ers are seven-point home favorites. This is both the first game of the weekend and the game with the lowest total, currently sitting at 44, one point under where it opened at 45. So, Joey, give me some initial thoughts on this game. Uh, I think this game is going to be a good real-life game, but I don't think it's going to be a good fantasy game. Um, that's my initial thoughts. I don't think there's going to be uh, many high fantasy scoring uh, players uh, in this game particularly. Yeah, um, I, I could see that because, you know, we're looking at a situation where what the 49ers do best is stop the run, which is what the Vikings, you know, like to do is establish the run. And then, you know, on the other side of the ball, all three running backs for the 49ers kind of vulture off of each other. So that kind of takes all of them out of play. Um, I think the most interesting spot in this game is the 49ers passing game because, you know, from a slate perspective, there is very little value and a lot of the quarterbacks are priced up. We've got Lamar Jackson at 8,400, which we'll talk about later. Mahomes is 75. Um, You know, I think Jimmy Garoppolo, if you believe he has a shot to be one of the top scorers on the weekend, is going to be a way that you can, you know, save some salary. He's all the way down at uh, 5,600. Yeah, it's just with Jimmy, you're you're going to need an absolute ceiling game out of him, and I don't think that's possible against the Vikings. I mean, I know the Vikings' defense has been largely bad, you know, over the course of the regular season, but they actually played really good against Drew Brees in New Orleans. You know, they won that game. Um, you know, lost me my bet, unfortunately. Uh, Saints, just choke artists. But, you know, they played well last week, and I don't think... Or I think they can play well in this game. And like you said, the Niners uh, want to run the ball. And I think uh, Jimmy Garoppolo's ceiling is not accessible in this uh, game. So I, I'm not playing him personally. I mean, he is cheap. He's 5.6K. And he's projected to be you know one of the lowest-owned quarterbacks on this four-game slate. So I wouldn't mind if you go there. But personally, I don't like the spot for him. 
Yeah, um, I th I, th I don't think he's a core piece, but again, he's going to be good leverage because you know people are going to want to play Jackson, they're going to want to play Mahomes. I think Rogers might be semi popular, um, and then you know Garoppolo's got good stacking options. Kittle should be popular this week, and then you know people are going to want to play one of these two wide receivers as well. Do you have a feel between? Debo Samuel and Emmanuel Sanders. You know, Sanders has lower lows, but he has higher highs. Um, and then Debo's a little bit more consistent. Surprisingly, while I was digging into these numbers, you know, Samuel's averaged uh, just over 24 rushing yards per game over his last five games. And it's not just from like, you know, a crazy long run that's, you know, boosting that average. He's getting consistent usage, getting, uh, you know, breaking off a decent run every week, it seems like. Uh, it's just one of the ways Shanahan is utilizing him. So how do you feel about these two receivers? They're, they're some of the cheaper options at wide receiver as we get into this slate. Yeah, personally, I would prefer Debo to Emmanuel Sanders. I think from what I've seen in watching these 49ers games, I think uh, Gar Garoppolo and Debo just have a better connection. And mm -hmm. I'm going to take that um, every time. So I, so give me Debo, but I don't mind Sanders this week as well. But Debo for me personally. Okay. And then, uh, you know, I'm over, over on the Vikings side of the ball, uh, you know, Dalvin Cook is coming off of a pretty monster week, had 31 touches, 28 DK points, and that was including finishing, you know, six yards shy of the 100-yard bonus. Do you like Dalvin this week? And then, uh, you know, maybe talk about the uh, wide receivers for the Vikings. Yeah, I like, I like Dalvin, but obviously they raised his price after a good game against the Saints, so he's 8K now. And it's hard to pay up for a running back in this spot against the Niners tough run D but like you said he had 31 touches against the Saints so you're going to get an absolute you know workhorse with Dalvin Cook and he's one of the best running backs in the NFL so you can never go wrong with there I'll definitely have some shares of him this weekend but I don't know if he'll be uh you know a core piece in my Millie Maker lineups but and then the Vikings wide receivers um Thielen is dealing with an ankle injury and Diggs got sick or whatever uh he's dealing with <coughs> I mean, they're they're cheap. Diggs is five point six k, and Thielen is six point two. So they got a price decrease from last week. Um, you know, I think they're just accounting for the matchup against the Niners a little bit more. And I don't mind, you know, taking a stab at them, but I, I don't think they, you know, have good games personally. Yeah, Diggs seems to be popping in these optimizers and you know I, I really can't understand why his targets have been really inconsistent all year and you know his best games came in the games when Adam Thielen was you know going through a serious slump when Thielen wasn't really all the way healthy now that Thielen looks good we saw last week you know that Kirk went back to favoring him over Diggs now yeah. I, I understand you know potentially it's the squeaky wheel type situation where they think you know it's going to lean back towards Diggs I mean I could see it and the 5.6 price tag is good but I just, I don't know. I, I really don't know. He's battling illness. It doesn't seem like a spot that I really want to be too heavy on. Yeah, I'm not going to be too heavy on it either, but I will say getting, you know, a player of Diggs caliber at 5.6K um, is pretty good, I would think. Yeah, might, might be one of the better, uh, you know, talent-to-price ratios as far yeah. as a guy under 6K on this. Slate. Exactly. You're just basically taking a shot on his talent and if you believe that the Niners are going to be leading uh, the majority of this game and Cousins is going to have to throw to win, 
you know, he's most likely going to be throwing it to Thielen and Diggs. So, I'm, I'm, like I said, I wouldn't mind taking a shot on them in, you know, these large field tournaments because it's usually one of these mid-range, uh, mid-priced uh, wide receivers that, you know, can go off for 30 points like we saw with DK last week that, you know, win mm-hmm. you tournaments. So... Yeah, that is And you're going to need to have it. I will say that. You're going to need to have one of these guys in this, you know, 4.5 to 6.6 or 8K range that goes off of their 25 or 30 points, and you're going to have to have them. In terms of, uh, you know, pure punt, do you think that there's any shot that either of the, uh, you know, the 49ers running backs – that are dumb cheap, like Tevin Coleman's 3.5 and Brita is 3.3K. You know, obviously their workloads are super inconsistent being part of a three-man, you know, running back by committee, but they're dirt cheap, and both of them have games over 30 DK points this season. Yeah, I mean, I don't mind them because they're good players. Like, Matt Breda's a good player. Tevin Coleman is a good player. But personally, how I've approached, you know, our running back by committees this season is I haven't played them. Like, if you're part of a running back by committee, I'm not playing you. That's why, you know, I didn't play much of Aaron Jones when he was splitting 50-50 with Jamal Williams. Um, Didn't really play any of the Niners running backs all year just because you don't know who's going to be getting the ball consistently. Because Shanahan likes to, you know, run the hot hand approach like some other coaches do in the NFL, which is a good approach, obviously, when you have, you know, three, four good running backs on your roster. Um it's just hard to nail which one is going to be featured. Recently, it's been Mostert, and he's actually a really good player. And so I wouldn't mind playing him. Like, I played Mostert a couple times, but other than that, I'm just going to fade the entire Niners backfield. Yeah, and as far as Mostert goes, I, I have very little interest this week. He's just priced way too high for the workload he actually has at 5.8K. I mean, yeah, he is the lead dog, but the lead dog in this, you know, backfield is only averaging 12.25 touches per game over his last four, and he has essentially no stake in the passing game. So that's a pretty uh, obvious fade, I think. And, you know, my favorite play of this game, we didn't really touch, you know, on it too much, is George Kittle. I mean, he's elite. Uh, You know, you look at some of the metrics, he is arguably having one of the best tight end seasons of all time. And at 6.2K, you know, you compare him to the pass catchers at wide receiver, and I just think that his floor and ceiling is better. I know that, you know, tight end is not where we typically want to spend up, but, you know, are we going to play George Kittle against a middling Vikings defense, or are we going to play, you know, A.J. Brown against an elite, you know, Baltimore defense? Like, I, I just think that if you can separate yourself this week from, uh, you know, positional biases, if you will, um, you're going to land on these tight ends often, these top three tight ends, and Kittle is definitely in that uh, in that group. Yeah, I mean, I, I like Kittle this week. Uh, you know, he's seen consistent targets. He's Jimmy G. He's Jimmy G's favorite uh, wide receiver. You know, you know, in that sense, to throw to. Um, basically, a player who's running the route. He's going to throw and look towards George Kittle. Basically damn near every play besides you know when he's throwing some screens or slants to Debo so George Kittle at 6.2 is he's a great play but uh, I don't know if I can click the lock button in tournaments personally no you'll you'll be lock button uh lock buttoning your favorite 
player of all time, Kyle Rudolph, at 3.4K. Is that correct? I mean, I played him last week, and it worked out. It's just, uh, you're just going to take a... If you're playing one of these cheap tight ends, you know, like the Million Maker winner had Darren Fells last week, and he was, you know, really cheap. Well, um, uh, what percentage over 300 did she have it on? <laughs> you know, I do not have that information, but... Got you, got you. Yeah, 300 does help. But, it does. You know, if you're taking a stab at one of these lower price tight ends, you're just going to hope that they can get into the end zone. And, you know, Rudy did that on the last play of the game against the Saints. But I wouldn't mind playing him at 3.4K just as a salary saver. All right. I think we've touched on officially every viable play in that game, including some not so viable plays. Uh, we can move on to the Saturday night game. Uh, where the Tennessee Titans will be traveling to Baltimore. This game opened at 46.5. It is, uh, I'm sorry, it's been bet down to 46.5. It opened at 48, so a little bit of money on the under at this point. Ravens are 10-point home favorites, uh, biggest favorites of the slate, and they're coming off of what was just honestly a completely dominant regular season. Now they're playing their first game in the postseason, and you know Tennessee's a team a lot of people expected to be out of the race by now but they are not so what are your initial thoughts on this game so my initial thoughts are that derrick henry is an absolute monster killed us last week yeah he's he's the biggest dog of them all right Mm -hmm. lamar is the highest priced player on the entire slate 8.4k yeah and I know, you know, you just talked about separating yourself from the positional bias. And I know you've talked about that over the course of the season as well. And I know we've played Lamar a lot. Um, yes. I think he's the best player on the slate. But that being said, he's going to be one of the highest owned players in tournaments specifically. Um, I think he goes for at least 30 points. And if you're getting a 30-point player at 8.4k that's extremely uh valuable in my opinion so i i mean lamar is my favorite play not really too high on tennessee i mean they have the lowest team total on this uh slate at eight at 18 um 0.5 so i'm not going to be playing much tight ends the only person i really like is derrick henry because he is the biggest dog of them all and He's been, you know, really good. But other than that, no Titans for me. And I, I love Lamar. He's my favorite play on this entire slate. Yeah, um, you know, I, I think your uh, your point about him potentially going over thirty is almost an expectation. Is it's a good point because he did it at an incredibly high rate throughout the season. Uh, you know, I don't think he had maybe one game over like or like under 26 points two games three three games under 26 and over eight games over 30 points on DraftKings you know he's going to be the MVP and 8400 is expensive for a quarterback now I know you said that you expect him to be one of the highest price or highest owned quarterbacks you know I don't know if that's going to be the case I know that you know some sites have that at the moment but unless some value opens up on this slate, I really struggle to see how people are going to get to Lamar. You know, Mahomes is 900 cheaper. Watson is over, uh, you know, over a thousand cheaper, quite a bit, almost 2000. Um, you know, I think people are going to be happy to stack those guys and, and 
you know, find the value instead of getting up to Lamar. And Lamar pairs well with certain plays in this game. You know, this matchup is particularly good to pair Lamar with Mark Andrews. You know, the Titans are bottom five in stopping tight ends. They concede a ton of receptions and fantasy points to tight ends. And Lamar, you know, Mark Andrews is his number one tight end. And, you know, we're talking about a player who's the most imposing red zone weapon at tight end on a slate that includes Travis Kelsey and George Kittle. Mark Andrews has twice as many touchdowns as George Kittle on this season, four more than Travis Kelsey. So yeah, he might not be as consistent in terms of, you know, receptions and yardage, but if we're trying to bank a GPP, get a player who can score two touchdowns in a given week, I love stacking Lamar with Mark Andrews in tournaments this week. And we haven't even talked about Hollywood Brown yet. Yeah, I I love Mark Andrews as well. I mean, just like the points that you said, he has more touchdowns than both those uh, dudes, uh, Kelsey and Kittle. So I like Mark Andrews, and Hollywood Brown is, he's going to be one of the highest home players. I could say that for sure, and that's not even, you know, without looking with without looking at projections or whatever. He's going to be the highest home. He's 4.4K, so he's going to be very owned in cash games and, and tournaments. I, you know, would project him to be around like 30%, 25% tournaments, higher in cash, obviously, mm-hmm. and... At this point, I'm leaning more towards fading him. Obviously, that could come around and, you know, bite me. But I just don't think he's seen consistent enough targets to warrant a spot on my roster in the Millie Maker. Let me tell you something, bro. This slate is like the Sahara Desert and value is like water. And and Hollywood Brown is the best value on this slate. I mean, granted, he is underutilized. And just because we wish that he was targeted more, you know, it doesn't mean that he will be. But Tennessee's perimeter corners have been burnable for a while now. It's not a question of whether or not, you know, Hollywood's going to be able to get free deep. It's just whether or not he's going to be targeted and whether or not, you know, the, the Ravens have to pass really at all in this game. But, you know, I'm not sleeping on the Titans. I think that they'll be able to keep this game close, you know, if, if just with the work that the big dog puts in. And, and, you know, circling back to the big dog himself, you know, the Ravens are absolutely elite at stopping the pass, but I don't know how much that's really going to affect the Titans, you know, output. They went into Foxborough last week and won with Tannehill only throwing the ball 15 times. And I, I couldn't imagine them trying to get away from that strategy. They're just going to pound the ball with Derrick Henry as long as this man is healthy. So, you know, I think it's we're going to see a lot of Derrick Henry and I think we're going to see a close game. Uh, personally, do you, do you think this game is going to stay close, or is this just going to be a Ravens blowout the way that uh, Vegas seems to be implying? Yeah, I mean the Titans are nine and a half point underdogs, so Vegas does think they're going to lose by you know ten plus, and obviously that's going going to be their strategy is to just hammer Derrick Henry. But it all just comes down to the fact if that strategy works out, if the Ravens stop the run and the Titans get down by 14 or even 21 quick, they're going to have to abandon the run. There's no there's no shot that they can be able to control the game. So, obviously, it just comes down to the whole point if the Titans can do it from the get-go. And, personally, I don't know if they can do that. I mean, they did it against the Patriots, but I think the Ravens' defense uh, is a little bit better than the Patriots, especially the run defense. Uh, so I'm not really too high on the Titans offense in this spot, but fading Derrick Henry is always something that you got to be cautious of. 
very caution uh very cautious and like you talked about you know playing running backs you know, running backs by committee there's really only Derrick Henry on this slate that is not in a running back by committee you know Dalvin Cook's role is super secure but even he splits with guys like Madison you know Henry isn't splitting with anybody you know Aaron Jones is going to split with Williams Mark Ingram is healthy you know questionably healthy and he'll split with guys Damian Williams same situation so if you want a true workhorse you're gonna have to pay up for the most expensive running back on the slate and that's gonna be Derrick Henry I like him but I could definitely see getting away from him this week more so than last week I was I was very happy on uh, Henry last week yeah I mean when you're getting 30 plus carries out of Derrick Henry he's most likely gonna get you 100 plus yards and most likely a touchdown I will say that do you have any interest in A.J. Brown? Uh, I know no. he got shut down by Gilmore last week, uh, put up 1.4 points. You know, difficult situation, but if, if this game goes as Vegas is projecting, you know, the Titans are going to have to throw, like you said. He is 6K, and he's shown the upside, you know, quite a bit, especially, uh, you know, since week 14, a ton of big games. But it seems yeah. like a tough proposition. He does have a good ceiling. Um, he's gotten over 30 points uh, in a game this season. So I don't mind him, but 6K, there's some options, you know, above and below him that I'd rather play. I probably won't have much of A.J. Brown this week. All right, I uh, I respect that. Is there anybody else uh, in this game that we haven't considered? you like any of the punts, like, you know, Willie Sneed, Corey Davis, etc.? No, I'm, I'm good on this game, honestly. I'm not, I'm not going to play too many players from either side. Probably just Lamar, Andrews, and Derrick Henry will be – the only guys in my uh in my pool of players that I'll consider. Yep, and uh throw throw in Hollywood uh for me as well. Moving on to I think what is going to be, you know, the game, the most popular game of the week. Uh, and that's going to be Houston traveling to Arrowhead. Chiefs are hosting. Uh they're eight point home favorites as of right now. This is the only total above fifty. It's at fifty one right now. Uh opened at forty nine, so it's getting bet up, uh which I think is you know makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, this game profiles as an absolute shootout, in my opinion, but that is not necessarily the way that Vegas sees it. I mean, you know, the Texans implied team total is only 20.5 right now, which is very surprising to me. But, um, you know, what are your initial thoughts on this game? Yeah, I think my initial initial thoughts are that this is going to be the highest scoring game out of the four. And like right. you said, Vegas doesn't see it that way. Houston has a surprisingly low team total, and maybe that's because the Chiefs' defense has actually been really good over the last you know month or two. And it's an arrowhead as well, where teams can struggle in there, um, especially with the the home crowd being one of the best uh, home fields in the NFL. So Vegas isn't too high on Houston, and I think some of the some of the weapons on Houston will be uh, lower owned. Like I think uh, people aren't really going to play much of, you know, Will Fuller, DeAndre Hopkins, or even Watson. Um, I know right now Watson is popping up as like either the third or the fourth uh, highest owned quarterback projected. So you could uh, get some leverage off some of these chalk uh, Chiefs and Ravens and play the Texan side of things if you're a believer in uh, the Texans' offense. Yeah, and, you know, I know they were home last week, but do we really think that, you know, the Chiefs' defense is better than the Bills, for example? And, and you know, Watson played the Bills and put up 
three eight points on DraftKings. So I mean, if he can do that, I think he can do it in this spot as well. And and you know, Watson has a long history of being the best that he can be when he's coming from behind, which I think that we can expect because the Texans defense is just God awful. So, you know, I don't expect the Chiefs to have any problems scoring often and early in this game and putting Watson in a position where they have to throw a lot. And, and you know, whether or not they win or not, I think Watson is going to be really, uh, you know, productive in fantasy. Plus, Will Fuller is expected to be back. And the splits, I, everybody knows the splits by this point, but you know, it raises Watson's expectation and the Texans' offense expectation by, you know, just an absurd amount when Will Fuller's on the field. Yeah, for sure. And, I, I mean, if Will Fuller's back, I'm playing him at 5K on DraftKings. Yeah. Has uh-huh. arguably the highest ceiling out of any player on this slate just with how he runs routes and his talent. And, you know, going into... Kansas City is obviously tough, but I, I expect the Texans to be productive in this uh, matchup. Now, do I think they'll win? No, I think the Chiefs will. I think the Chiefs will win. I mean, I'm picking the Chiefs to go to the Super Bowl personally. Um, but I, I in this spot, I, I like Watson and I like Fuller a lot, especially since he's coming back and the Texans' offense is just so much better when he's on the field. So give me some Will Fuller, give me some uh, Deshaun Watson, and that's not even with talking about the Chiefs guys. Yeah, and and we can talk about the Chiefs guys. Let's start off with uh, you know the player that projects to probably be the chalkiest player on this slate. That's going to be Damian Williams mm-hmm. at six K even. He's a home favorite running back, and he's coming off of a monster week in Week Seventeen when he put up thirty four point uh, four DK points. Now we were talking about this a little bit pre show. You know, I think that the numbers are skewed, to be honest, because he had an 84-yard run uh, for a touchdown. So that's an 84-yard, 8.4 for the yardage, 6 for the touchdown, and by far the only reason that he had the 100-yard bonus because he only had 124 points. So besides that one one run, he had 40 yards on the ground with uh, with 12 carries. So, um, you know, I think that his numbers were boosted he only had one game with over 20 points besides that all season but uh, you know with his past game usage with how bad the Texans are here uh, he's going to be an obviously popular play for good reason but when you take ownership into consideration do you have any concerns with Damian Williams uh no I think he will be the highest home player on the slate you know he's six point k on DraftKings and you know, like you said, he's home favored. The Chiefs have a 30-point team total, highest on the slate. So Vegas expects them to perform really well in this game. And when you're going to get a 6K running back who has pass game work, he's going to be their goal lineback, and he's just in a great offense. And he's going to get, I would project, 15 to 20 touches, maybe even a little bit more. Um Give me that all day. I don't care about his ownership. Um, a 6K running back, you're going to have to have him, even if he goes off for 20 points. Like we saw last week with Devin Singletary. He was mm-hmm. the third highest owned player in the Millie Maker at 31%. And he was on about 60 to 70% of the top 10 lineups across all GPPs for that four-game slate. So I think even if he doesn't you know replicate his 34 point outing or a 30 point outing like he did last week even if he gets 20 
I still think he is a great play. Yeah, and and I like the uh, comparison there to Devin Singletary from a slate perspective because, you know, with the same price and a similar role, you know, people kind of expected, I think, Singletary to have a bigger share of the workload last week. They didn't expect Frank Gore to get as much work as we do. Yeah, that was was bad coaching. That was terrible coaching by the Bills. Yeah, that was bad. Absolutely, that was bad. But, you know... I mean, I would expect Andy Reid to give some of the bums on this roster some work as well. You know, Shady McCoy, uh, Darwin. But even still, you know, with the pass game usage and with Damian's talent being far and away better than those guys, you know, especially the pass game usage, he should uh, be a solid play at 6K uh, regardless of ownership. I would not be opposed to fading him in certain spots for GPPs. Uh, You know, obviously, if you're only playing one or two or three teams, I wouldn't advise that. But if you're playing multiple lineups, you know, anywhere from one to 300 lineups, I would, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't advocate playing him 100%. Because I think that you could get there with guys like, you know, any three of Henry Cook and Jones, and then, uh, you know, just diversifying your your lineups a little bit. But uh, yeah, that's just that. Yeah, but I don't know if we talked about it on here before. I can't really remember, but there's really no running backs on this slate that are viable. Um, you got obviously the top guys like Derrick Henry, Delvin Cook, Aaron Jones, but other than that, you got Mark Ingram coming off an injury. No, we didn't really touch on him, but I mean, I know we're probably not going to play him. And then yeah, you, we, and then you got some other guys like. Travis Homer, Marshawn Lynch, I know we'll touch on them in a bit, but other than these top guys, there's really no running backs that you could play. So personally, I would not have I would not uh say to fade Damian Williams. I think you should lock him in in you know your 200, 300 lineups that you might play this week. Yeah. Um, you know, Another running back, and we'll finish talking about the Chiefs as well, but we didn't really touch on Carlos Hyde, who had his best game of the season against the Chiefs in their Week 6 matchup, had 22 points in that spot, 26 attempts for 116 and a touch. You know, he's 5K, and the weakest part of this Chiefs defense is their run defense. We've seen when they've gotten beat this year, it's largely been in part because of A, the opposing running game being able to play keep away and just success that they, the other team found on the ground, uh, you know, keeping Mahomes off the field. So I think the Texans are going to look back uh, to the way they were able to win this game the first time around and, you know, potentially try to replicate it. So, I mean, do you have any interest in Hyde? I, I like him for uh, GPPs. He wouldn't be like a core player or anything, but I could see paths to him having, you know, 20 points or so uh, again. I think... I think he can hit 20 points, but I don't know. I just have a personal, like, bias against Carlos Hyde. Like, I'd never play this fool. Like, I mean, I know he got over 1,000 yards on the season or whatever, and his best game was against the Chiefs, and that is the way to beat the Chiefs is to keep the offense off the field. Like, that's what any smart coach would do, but Bill O'Brien isn't smart, okay? We still don't know if he's even a good head coach or not. He just has... Uh, you know, a really good set of skill p- position players, um, which features Watson, and you know you can get away with a lot with uh, some guys of that caliber. But you know, back to Carlos Hyde, I don't mind him, but personally, I am not playing Carlos Hyde ever. So. And uh, what about Duke? No. 
the, he just he's not on the field enough. They don't utilize him enough to warrant a spot on anybody's roster. I mean, if you want to take a dart throw on him and hopefully he can, you know, get a pass receiving touchdown or whatever, then yeah, but other than that, no, just don't play him. It's not not even worth a spot. Yeah, Duke, Duke is a player that makes sense from a game theory perspective a lot of the time because you you know especially in a game like this where you project Houston to be from you know playing from behind, but he just doesn't get there. You know he's been in spots like this all year where it seems like a good spot for him, but he just does not get there. Only one game with twenty points or more, and it was actually twenty point zero points even. He barely got there. So you know I don't know. I, I guess the ceiling's just not there. But you know getting back to you know the real juicy part of this game and the Chiefs passing offense. You know, we've got Mahomes, 7,500, going against just an abysmal Texan secondary. And then we've got, you know, guys like Tyree Kill, 7,600, the second highest priced wide receiver, and Travis Kelsey at 6,400. What do you think about this passing attack for, for the Chiefs? I think it's I think it's great. Um, obviously, you can never go wrong with playing Mahomes, Tyree, Kelsey, because they're all great players and have enormous ceilings. But with that being said, they are some of the highest-priced guys on the slate. I know Mahomes is the second-highest-priced quarterback. Tyreek is the second-highest-priced wide receiver. Kelsey is the highest-priced tight end. So you're going to have to pay. And I know we've discussed on here that you know there's really little to no value on this slate. So chances are, if you're stacking them, your team is going to be very thin at other positions. So I would not advise that personally, but obviously it's a great stack to have. But I know on the last weekend, and then we had the three-game slate, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, and then the Thanksgiving slate, where there's one offense that's going to be chalk, okay? One, there's one offense that is going to be more owned than than any other team, and it was it was the Saints on two of those slates. It was the Saints on two, and it was the Buc- it was the Bucks and the Texans game on the other, where mm-hmm. yep. where they were uh, very high owned, and. Just from, uh, you know, a tournament perspective, there's merit to fading those guys because they're going to be the highest priced, or not the highest priced, they're going to be the highest owned players on the slate. And if you fade them, you're getting ultimate leverage. And, I mean, the fade worked out on all of those slates. So if you want to fade some of these Chiefs, I, I'm, I mean, personally, I would recommend it. I don't know who I would fade. I think it would be Kelsey. Um as he's projected to be, you know, one of the highest on tight ends, obviously. He's one of the only tight ends on this slate that is even worth uh, rostering. But there is some merit to, to fading, you know, these chalk guys. So just keep that in mind out there. I agree. And, and you know, this week, even more than I think those other slates that you mentioned, there is a path, especially at quarterback, and, and you know that'll correlate to the other positions as well, where I think that there's at least like five quarterbacks that could finish as the QB1 this week. You know, Lamar, Mahomes, Watson, Wilson, and Rodgers, like they all have paths to, yeah. to massive games. So, you know, this isn't a situation where, you know, it's like a slate with, you know, Drew Brees, and then you've got, you know, guys like Tannehill and Brady. I mean, you know, it's just, it's just like I think that these – these guys all have massive ceilings. So I think it's pretty easy to get away from Mahomes in tournaments, especially if his ownership is out of control. But, again, it's a pretty scary fade. He arguably has the best matchup uh, of any quarterback, and mm-hmm. we know his ceiling. He's super talented. Tyreek, massive ceiling. And, uh, you know, in terms of the two tight ends, the two top guys there, you know, they compare pretty similarly over their last six games. 
you know, Kittle, 8.3 targets per game and three touchdowns. Kelsey, 9.1 targets per game and three touchdowns. So, I don't know. Do you have a feel or a preference uh, between Kelsey and, and Kittle? Uh, I think I think they're both great. If I had to pick one, uh, I would probably pick Kittle. Just, you know, he's $200 yeah. cheaper, a little bit better role on mm-hmm. the Niners offense. So I would take Kittle, but they're both great plays. I, I agree with that as well. I do think Kittle is my uh, favorite overall tight end play. It's just... You know, with the, with the Chiefs, it could go to any number of guys, including mm-hmm. Tyreek, as well as the ancillary guys like Watkins, uh, you know, Hardman, Robinson. And speaking of those three guys, uh, they're all in a row there in terms of pricing. We've got Demarcus Robinson, 4K. We've got Hardman, 4.1, and Sammy Watkins at 4.3. You know, I, I have a, uh, a creeping fear in the back of my mind that one of these guys is going to break the slate and, you know, not necessarily put up 30 points, but, you know, we're going to get this guy who's under 4.5K, and if one of them goes for, you know, 20 points even, it's going to be really difficult to win without them. And they're all so, you know, there's so much variance with playing them that you don't feel good about playing any of them. So, I mean, how do you feel about these uh, secondary options in the Chiefs' offense? I mean, I think Watkins, I think Watkins is good leverage off Hollywood for 100 less. So uh, I, I like Watkins a lot in tournaments. Um, should be lower owned, so you can actually get a Chiefs guy that won't have you know high ownership. And like you said, this is the best spot on the slate is the Chiefs passing attack against the Texans secondary. So I mean, you can't, I think Watkins is a great play personally. The other he's guy, been pretty garbage since his uh, 49-point I mean, yeah. game in week one. But he's not good. Yeah, it's fair. He, I don't think he's that good. But I'd rather play him over you know, Hardman and Demarcus Robinson just for the sole fact that he is their wide receiver too and he's going to see a good amount of snaps, probably somewhere between 80 to 90% of the snaps. Whereas Demarcus Robinson and especially Hardman aren't going to be on the field as much. Yes, I agree with that. He would be my preference of the three as well. Um, I think that's just about everything there. I mean, mm-hmm. we didn't really go too in depth in terms of uh, you know Tyreek and and Hopkins. I mean, we talked about Tyreek, who is a great play. You know, he hasn't necessarily had the same ceiling that we've seen, or at least he hasn't hit that ceiling consistently the same way he has in years past. Only one game above. 30 DraftKings points where in past years it seemed like it was once every couple of weeks he was going for those monster games but you know I think it's totally within the range of outcomes and potentially likely to hit in this spot Uh, he's going to be popular but what about Hopkins you know Hopkins obviously his target share is affected by the return of Will Fuller and and the Chiefs have been pretty elite at stopping wide receivers over the second half of the season but you know DeAndre Hopkins I mean it can happen it can happen at any time I think DeAndre Hopkins is one of my favorite wide receiver plays on the entire on the entire slate, and don't think anybody's gonna really gonna play him this week. Honestly, I think you could get him at maybe ten percent ownership in a large field tournament like the Millie Maker, you know. And I would take that all day against the Chiefs. He can easily yeah. beat Ward or whoever they're gonna throw out there. Fuller, yeah. Um, he'll he'll be probably uh, you know a third of the ownership of someone like Devontae, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, definitely some good leverage off Tyreek and Devontae Adams. 
Yep, and, and you can punt with uh, Darren Fells if Ankins misses, but I think that's just about everything we've got on this slate, or, or for this game. All right, and then moving on to our final game, the Sunday night game. Uh, we've got the Seahawks traveling to Lambeau. Packers are four-point home favorites. This is the tightest spread of the week. Game's got a decent total. It's at 47 right now, up one point from the 46 open. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Seahawks-Packers game? Well, I think the Packers should easily win this game. The Seahawks are really banged up right now. You know, they're missing a couple of their offensive linemen, a couple of their skill position players, and their defense has been, you know, really mediocre over the course of the season. So this is a good spot for the Packers. And Rodgers, honestly, he's up there in terms of my favorite quarterback plays on the weekend. I know that the Packers are probably one of the worst 13-3 and teams you'll ever see. I honestly I don't even know how they ended up at 13 and 3 but they did. You know, they really only lost to some good teams like the Niners. But I like the Packers side here a lot. Um Rodgers is 6. Point, what? 5. Yeah. 6.5. 6.5k, so he's cheaper than Lamar, Mahomes, Watson, Wilson. And like you mentioned just a couple minutes ago, all, you know, he has the potential to finish as a QB1. And it's just I think about it from this from this point of view. If Lamar gets thirty five at eight point four K and Rogers gets twenty eight or thirty at six point five K, you're gonna rather have Rogers over Lamar. So that's how I think about it, and that's what leans me to making Rogers my favorite quarterback play on the slate. But then again, Rogers is kinda washed up. So, yes. yeah. No, he, I mean, he definitely is. Like, he's gone for under 15 DraftKings points in six out of his last eight games, and he only has one game over 25 in that span. You know, I think a large, uh, you know, part of his struggles could be attributed to the fact that DraftKings put a really uh, gnarly photo of him uh, atop the player card. It's just really, uh, you know, off-putting. It's creepy. It's not a man that I would trust around a preschool if you catch my drift. But nonetheless... Uh, you know, Rodgers could get there against Seattle. It could happen. And he's got stacking options. Primarily, of course, is Devontae Adams, who should be the highest uh, owned wide receiver on the slate. I would think he is the highest priced, and he's averaging 11.6 targets per game over his last six matchups. Honestly, in terms of touchdown variance, I think he's been on the low side uh, this year with only five. We know this is a guy who can get double-digit touchdowns in a season. And Rodgers looks to him. They have a really strong connection. Adams is an incredible route runner, and I don't think there's really anybody in uh, Seattle's secondary that's going to be able to stop Adams. Yeah, I think Adams is a great play this week, obviously. He's one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. Consistently sees double-digit targets. Has had a 20-point fantasy day in three straight weeks. And I will say this, Rodgers has had his best fantasy performances at home. And they are at home against the Seahawks. So, I, I mean, I like Rodgers, but like like we just uh, talked about, he is kind of washed up. And, you know, there's a lot of variance with Rodgers. And then just with Russ, I think Russ is a good play this week as well. 6.6K. Um the quarterback pricing is very tight this week, so mm -hmm. I think any of these guys in this range are viable. I mean, if one pops off for 30 to 35, then you're probably going to have to have them. 
barring that, I wouldn't mind playing Ross. And he has some good uh, stacking options as well with DK and Tyler Lockett. And yeah, DK is a he's a man. He is a grown man. Indeed, he is. You know, I mean, he just completely snapped. You know, took that game over. Uh, you know, got got Russ the 300 yard bonus on it on his last catch last week. But you know, if I'm gonna pick between these two guys, I think I'm gonna go with Tyler Lockett because I would expect a significant ownership gap between the two. This is definitely the first time all season where Metcalf has, uh, you know, been priced above Tyler Lockett. And, and you know, just in, in terms of uh, leverage, I think that that is the perfect time to go back with the guy uh, who has an equally high ceiling and just hasn't done it in recent weeks. Uh, I think I mean, you're just a Tyler Lockett fanboy, honestly. I think, I, mean, I think you just have, you know, this weird thing with playing him. I think you just you like know, playing him. I, don't I think know. that that's disrespectful because I I've don't. definitely been called a DK Metcalf fanboy by you as well. Hundred percent, no, I have. No, I was, no. I was, I was, I was saying DK Metcalf was one hundred and one in dynasty drafts. Now you know that's a fact. Yeah, I said that over okay. Josh Jacobs. That was, I said take him over Harry. That that's in terms of, you know, redraft and dynasty leagues. You were uh-huh. you were boosting his head back in March and April or whatever, <laughs> but. You know, come DFS season, come NFL season, you've you're a Tyler Lockett uh, truther at heart, and I don't know if that's the right uh, play this week. He's averaged more fantasy points per game than Metcalf. Just saying, and I think that there's an ownership ownership leverage to be had. Of course, you know I like both of these guys, but I mean, yeah, there might be something to be said about uh, you know my my uh, uh, what's the word you know affinity for playing Tyler Lockett. Um, but hey, Lockett's a beast. Um, I'm all about locking and Lockett. But uh, I don't really have any feelings on the other Seahawks pass yeah. catchers. I would stay away from Hollister. I mean, if I'm not playing one of the top three tight ends, I would probably be, you know, punting it off with like Jimmy Graham and an Aaron Rodgers stacker. You know, that's probably it. I'll probably be playing mostly the the three expensive guys. No interest in Hollister. Maybe David Moore. Who, I mean, if you want to talk about someone that I love to play, it's David Moore. I love losing money on this guy. I play him on, you know, all these small slates, and he just, you know, burns me. But, you know, I don't know. Week 17, he missed a long touchdown. Week 18, last week he missed a long touchdown. It's got to happen for David Moore eventually, right? Yeah, I don't mind David Moore, especially with the lack of, you know, receiving options for the Seahawks. So, I think I think he's a good... I think he's a good uh, start throw in the tournament. Um, personally, I don't mind Hollister as he's seen, you know, targets. And he's only 4K. And the Packers aren't good against tight ends. In the last couple weeks, he saw four, eight, six targets. Hasn't really got there. Hasn't scored a touchdown uh, in about two months now. So, obviously, that hurts his stock. But I wouldn't mind taking a stab at Jacob Hollister. And, you know, I'm always going to believe that paying down at tight end in tournaments is the most optimal uh, strategy, especially in large field tournaments. And never, 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 never play two tight ends um, in tournaments as well. Just doesn't win uh, for all the people listening out there. Do not do that. So I wouldn't mind taking a a shot on Hollister. I know you don't really like him that much. Um, But other than that, there's really no other players in this game that I would really consider. Consider, I know the Seahawks want to give Marshawn Lynch more touches, which is just stupid. 
Travis Homer is actually a pretty good athlete. Don't know about his, you know, talent as an NFL running back, but he has the speed and he could uh, catch passes, but you can't really trust him now that they put out that report. And then I wouldn't mind playing uh, Lazard either at 4.5K. I think he's also good leverage off Hollywood uh, with Watkins. So I think Lazard is a good play against this terrible Seahawks secondary. Yeah, so to respond to everything you just said, you know, Travis Homer's 1.1 yards per carry average last week is not very inspiring paired with, uh, you know, Pete. Pete Carroll's comments about wanting to see more from Marshawn Lynch this week, even though Lynch appears to be washed up himself, only averaging uh, a nice 1.2 yards per carry average last week. So, I mean, um, you know, I will that's say that's a full fade for me. The Eagles' run defense is really good. So, there, there's fair. some. I mean, the, some, the Packers are middling, but it's not like they're like. The, I mean, the Packers were one of were one of the worst run defenses in the NFL this year. Not middling; they yeah. were one of the worst. But it's just you can't trust any of these Seahawks running backs now, especially Homer, because of Pete Carroll saying that they want to give Lynch more touches. And Lynch will probably score a touchdown. He scored a touchdown last week. He scored a touchdown the week before. The The Seahawks will you know, be in the red zone. They'll be at the five-yard line, at the one-yard line at some point in this game. And if it happens more than once, Marshawn is you know having a 15- to 20-point game. I will say that. Yeah, give me the under, but I, I get where you're coming from. They will feature him, you know, at the goal line, undoubtedly. Uh, to your point about Alan Lazard, I like that play a lot. I don't think there's much of a ceiling, but if you're playing cash on this slate, I think Lazard's a pretty solid play. He's going to get targets. He's the clear-cut, you know, wide receiver, too, for the Packers at this point. He's got the Aaron Rodgers stamp of approval. So, you know, I like that in, in terms of cash, uh, especially I mean, to get up to some of those yeah, running backs. 17 targets over the last two weeks, so... We'll yeah, say that he's viable, and then uh, the one thing that you know I did I let you get it off, but um, you know I I would rather phrase it like two tight ends in GPPs hasn't worked yet. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm going no, it all in on two work. tight ends. It it ha- it doesn't work in the first 18 weeks of the season up to this point, okay. but in week 19, all right, you're gonna need two of the top three tight ends. You heard it here first. It's gonna win a milli this week, uh, and it's gonna win a milli. For you, boy, because um, that is going to be my primary strategy. But uh, we haven't talked about one of the most important players in this game yet, and that's Aaron Jones. So Aaron Jones is one of two players on this slate that has had uh, a 50-point game this season. It's him and uh, it's Will Fuller. And Aaron Jones, you know, he has an incredible, incredible ceiling but, you know, his role in the passing game is just constantly in flux, right? He's got eight games with six or more targets, and he's got eight games with four or less targets, including five of those with one target or less. It's just a complete mixed bag when you look at his role in the passing game, especially when Jamal Williams is healthy, which he appears to be practiced in full Wednesday. I would expect him to be practicing in full Thursday as well. Um, you know, how do you feel about Aaron Jones? I know that he is a guy that, you know, throughout the regular season, you felt pretty comfortable fading just due to the fact uh, that Jamal Williams siphons so much of his pass role. But, you know, on a, on a shorter slate with a pretty thin crop of running backs, do you feel any differently about uh, Aaron Jones? Yeah, I mean, you know, as mainly a cash game player this entire year, obviously I'm just playing tournaments um, on the, and for the playoffs. 
But in cash games, I'm never going to play somebody that's getting a 50% workload. I don't care how good you are. Just not optimal, in my, in my opinion. But on this four-game slate, Aaron Jones is 7.4K. He's, he's seen 25 touches in the last two weeks in both games against the Vikings and the Lions in the regular season. I think they realized, hopefully, that he is their best running back. So they need to get him the ball, okay? He'll probably score a touchdown, and I love I love him this week. I will say that. I love Aaron Jones. Um, just from a tournament perspective, a tournament strategy, the best, or I, not the best, I should say the most optimal strategy is to play three running backs um, in your lineups. That has won the majority of... Of tournaments this year, I'd say like 50 or 60, 55 or 60 percent of all lineups have had three running backs, so running back in the flex. I know if we're looking at last week, the the core was Kamara, Cook, and Singletary, and they were you know six six K, seven point four, seven point eight K. I think were the prices on all three of those guys. So. If we're just looking at that build, you know, you can you can uh, replicate that build this week if you really want with, you know, Aaron Jones 7.4, Damian 6K. Um, don't know how viable that is, but I, I like it this week personally. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's always solid. You know, running backs have such high touchdown equity, especially guys like, you know, Henry and Aaron Jones and even Dalvin Cook. Um, so, yeah, I like that as well. I think that Aaron Jones is all in all uh, my favorite running back play Mm -hmm. uh besides damian williams of course but even when you include like ownership leverage i think that jones is probably my favorite running back play i mean dalvin cook is just such a difficult matchup for him um and similar to aaron jones he's going to be splitting work with guys like madison even if it isn't maybe as significant in the past uh past usage you know madison has a good good uh good amount of the time he's going to get a goal line touch every now and then these guys love to take dalvin cook out in key situations it seems so you know i like aaron jones he is going to be a a significant uh player for the packers in terms of touchdown equity so for 7400 it's a decent enough discount off of a guy like henry at 82 that uh i'm gonna be playing jones quite a bit yeah, I like. Pairs I like well Jones. with my favorite defense too, uh, the Packers. Who you know, Russell Wilson is known to take sacks as he's trying to extend these plays. So yeah. I think those pair well together. You could even play Russell Wilson in that same you know lineup. He takes a couple sacks. Jones is running from ahead, and then uh, you got you got Russell Wilson coming back with the boy Lockett. But um, yeah, the defenses are kind of kind of rough this week. I don't know, really know which one I'm going to play. Um, probably just whatever one fits. Yeah, that that's fair. I mean, that's really all I've got for this game. I think uh, anything else for you? No, I think we pretty much touched on all base on all the bases throughout all these games. I, I think it's you know pretty clear who we're on and who we're not on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, almost gave him an hour on four games. You gotta love it. But um, let's uh, let's close out the show with our favorite uh, leverage stack here. You know, give me a stack that you think is not going to be widely owned. Uh, that has a good shot to take down one of these tournaments. I mean, I think I already said it. I got, you know, if I think the stacks, I'm not really going to name players, all right? The stacks are going to be the Packers passing stack and the Watt, and the Texans passing uh, stack are going to be the best leverage uh, stacks, in my opinion. So Watson, 
to Hopkins and Rodgers to Devontae, Lazard, and, you know, you can run him back with whoever, Metcalf, Lockett on that side, and, you know, Tyreek or, or Watkins for the Texan side. Yeah, and, and for me, I think that I'm going to be, uh, you know, avidly attacking this Baltimore stack. I like uh, the idea of going with someone like Lamar in Hollywood. You know, despite Lamar's exorbitant price, you know, the stack of Lamar Jackson and Hollywood Brown is going to cost you less than stacking, like, Mahomes and Tyreek, and, and the upside is equal. And then if you really want to get crazy, you know, I said I know that there were five uh, quarterbacks with QB1 potential. But to Joey's point about, you know, if if one of these guys has a comparable score to Lamar or Mahomes at, at lower price, that could be more valuable. I really do like the idea of trying to stack uh, Jimmy Garoppolo with George Kittle and then throwing in uh, whichever one of the wide receivers you like more between Debo and uh, Sanders there. And I think that's going to be really low owned with, uh, you know, quite a bit of upside. You know, he may not be the QB one on the week, but if he's the QB two or three with a comparable score, you're going to be in a really uh, good position uh, with the ownership leverage. Yeah, I don't mind that. I don't mind that at all. All right. That is all we've got for you. Hopes, uh, hope you guys have a great, you know, DFS week attacking this divisional slate, you know, um, doesn't matter how many lineups you're putting in there, obviously. Hope you guys are, uh, you know, doing really well. You can support our podcast, like Joey said, at the top of the show by uh, following us on Twitter, at the DFS Dose, as well as uh, subscribing on YouTube, uh, you know, Apple, Spotify, all of these platforms. Uh, you can also follow our individual Twitters. I am at Ben Hover, B-E-N-H-A-U-V-E-R. Joey, tell them where they can find you. You can find me on Twitter at JoeyCarrion underscore and every other social media at JoeyCarrion. <clears throat> yep, and uh, follow our third man, Jared Marcus, who is not here at the moment, uh, at Jared underscore underscore Marcus. Uh, are we going to be back for the two-game slate next week? Uh uh, see, I don't know. I think that's you know something we got to discuss. All right, it's up in the air. We might be back. Uh, I'm gonna push for us to be back because you know I just like doing the podcast. So we will see you guys hopefully next week. If not, you know, stay tuned. We will be back throughout the off season. Uh, you know, touching on different different uh, topics in terms of DFS and fantasy sports. So uh, thank you for listening, and we will see you uh, soon.